1: South Australia podcast. Back out the smart. Face the pass all the time three. Bang! It's Williams Free. Bobs it up for Robert Williams! Oh. Should he go? Taylor Brown went oh. to Tatum! Durant the long reach. Tatum, crossover, Pull up jumper!
0: Welcome to the Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got plenty coming up on the show for you, despite a relatively quiet week. In fact, this whole episode will be one giant Reddit recap, looking at some of the top posts from Celtics Reddit over the past week. Joining us for all of that and more, Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how you doing, sir? Very well. It's
1: great to be back. I think I, I can't remember the last time I was on here. It was probably summer league stuff. Ridiculous. So yeah, no, I'm <laughs> very glad to be back and seeing your faces to get to the, discuss the real topics of the off season. I'm sure. Yeah, man, very glad to have you back.
0: And of course, our New Zealand correspondent, Joe, aka No Scroats McFly. Joe, welcome back, mate. How's things? Yeah, good, good we've got the classic lineup we've got the
1: original lineup represent
0: now as i mentioned up the top there this is just going to be a full reddit recap normally a, a small tiny segment relegated to the end of every second or third episode it's the off season it's the doldrums of set off season we've got nothing else to talk about other than what people are already talking about on Celtics reddit we're going to start with a post by user Bruins lover who posted Dennis Schroeder will wear number 71 this season um Jackson, we'll start with you. what are your expectations for, for Schroeder this season and how does his wearing of said number seventy one impact these expectations, if at all?
1: <laughs> well, I hadn't I hadn't thought about what the number would bring to his game it's until just then. Something. So let me let me let me think about this. Um I don't know. I like that it's just a a, a random ass I don't give a shit kind of number. I think they like okay. he didn't have like a, a fan like voting comp to see like what number would be, so I, I don't know if that's what won or what he just decided to go with. But yeah, what well, it's cool. I mean Every time we talk about jersey numbers, I have to just, like, regurgitate something that I've said a thousand times before, just we have too many retired numbers. It's- You force players to, to, like, create, like, choose these random-ass numbers to just, like, you know, try and make a brand out of them. Like, Doncic is 77. That seems random enough, but it has a nice symmetry to it. Anyway, I digress. It hasn't (laughs) impacted my views of him at all. Seventy one's a cool number. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) Yes. What do you think, (laughs) Well,
2: obviously- Javo, you know, they need to keep that uh keep that particularly special number retired for Javo in case he decides to make an appearance for the Celtics this year. So I guess seventy one. May as well uh may as well do may as, well, may as well go for it. I like it. He seems like he might actually be a good sport. I thought he was gonna be a dick, but he might not be. He might be alright. So what's what's turned your, your feelings on him there, Joe? Oh, he had that um he had that uh, little, little uh, post on Instagram. He was like, "All right, we're going to do this once. All right, your best fumble the bag joke. You know, yep. posing with his Bugatti <laughs> Veyron.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all relative, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yeah, a bit of self-deprecation is is very. Yeah, it goes
2: goes a long way, doesn't it?
0: <sighs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Reddit user in the in the the post for this comment here wiser student 557 who wrote that's a fun and unusual number but i'm cool with uh backwards 17 and ts dibs followed up with first player in the entire league to wear 71 since 1965. i didn't do my due diligence here and go back and do the deep dive into like who was the last player to wear this number and and quiz you guys but i'm just gonna throw it up here like any of you guys have any idea who wore 71 in 1965 or prior
2: no. There a Celtics or anyone? anyone? Anyone. This is
0: actually he's the first Celtics to ever God wear no. at number
1: 71.
2: I <laughs> 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 wouldn't have a I, yeah. I, I read it, but I can't I can't remember the name, you know. I'm gonna say Nor- Normy Howley. Oh yeah, let's come with some names. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Hagen uh
1: from Yugoslavia, is he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, was, hear, it was his parents migrated. His oh. parents migrated after the war. Hagen Riverside.
2: That's that's. that's <laughs> <laughs> this is like the same from the usual suspects, where, where like he's like. <laughs> I was in a barbershop called Tit in Skokie,
0: Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> I've googled it, and it was actually Michael Bevan. There you go, um, Michael <laughs> Bevan. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was. Only <laughs> 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 the greatest cricketer to ever live. <laughs> um, clutch as cricket had ever lived, but we digress. Definitely. Um, I don't think we've had a chance to get either of your thoughts, just quickly, on, on um, like contribution or expected contribution on the court this year. Joe, do you think he's going to be a particularly impactful player or is he more likely to get traded than, than anyone else on the roster?
2: Um, I think he's probably going to find himself in a role that suits him, eh? So I think he will be pretty impactful. Often the guy's- like, often guys who are really a bit selfish, they're good when they're sort of put in the box and say, you go be selfish. Your job is to score. Yeah, you know, like Jordan Crawford's a liability, but then all of a sudden with jazz, the Jazz as a six man, you know, all of a sudden he's an asset. Same with Lou Williams, right? Um, I sort of see him in that vein. So I reckon he'll go, good. Hmm. Yeah, we've got him. Like we've got a, we've got him for his
1: contract year, essentially. So he's got no money coming after this. So he's got to convince someone out there to give him, you know, the kind of money that he wants, or at least the maximum amount he can get. So I think he's going to be a great sport, and I think if he can somehow infiltrate the starting lineup, then that elevates the defense immediately. And I think he averaged like six assists last year or thereabouts. So you know, as far as a playmaker goes, that's only an asset. But if he can elevate the Ceiling of the bench, or can at least like bring some you know proper scoring off the off off the bench. Then I think that's going to be a, a huge asset. So hopefully he does you know live up to this billing that I've just bestowed upon him. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's positive for me.
2: It, yeah. it does feel like you know, and 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 last season, I don't know, I'm making it up. You know, my memory might be a little fuzzy at this point. It was all of six weeks ago that the last season ended, but it does feel like we like the pressure seems to build on us when we stop scoring. Um, and, um, you know, that's when we, we stop sort of scoring and then we really struggle to score and we try to make it all back at once. You know, we just need, we just need someone to keep the, the score ticking over. Not unlike Michael Bevan.
0: <laughs> nice throwback there.
2: <laughs> um, four
0: or three free throw attempts per game uh, last season for Schroeder. Which in limited minutes, like non-starters minutes for, for most of the season, is pretty good, I suppose, just clearly demonstrating at least an ability to get to the line with some consistency. Uh but only shot forty three point seven percent from the floor, uh, with three turnovers per game. Uh Jackson, you mentioned the assists there. I, I pulled it as, as four assists per game off NBA off right. stats.com But um like clearly able to contribute, but like clearly has some glaring or it, like some inconsistencies in his game that he needs to address, but I think that his fit in the Celtics squad versus his fit that or lack thereof of the fit with the Lakers squad last year, hopefully will give him a better opportunity to shine. Um, but we'll see. Season's right yeah, around the corner. Uh,
1: more optimistic, you'll be more of Oklahoma City Dennis Schroeder than than Lakers, but you know, of course, I would be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to move
0: on to another post now from user Southern Update, who created a thread based on a Zach Lowe podcast. So he says Zach Lowe's starting fire for the Celtics, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Rob Williams. Um Joe, how does this align with your like your own starting lineup predictions for this
2: upcoming season? I don't know that it's stretchy enough. I think that lineup might lack like a little dynamism. Um I mean it makes it makes sense those are the those are the five guys with the most name recognition. Um but yeah, I I think I'm leaning towards the 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 spoons school of thought and uh, La Bird. If you're out there, La Bird, I'm sure La Bird would be the same. Um, <laughs> I think I think um, going to start a lot. And let's be honest, Williams is going to be out for a significant period of time this year. He's going to get injured, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that happens, um, it'd be interesting to see a lineup with Niesmith in there in place of Williams, maybe. Mm. Yeah, Jackson. You agree with that, or you got another take?
1: Yeah, uh, that. M- my impression would be that's more the closing five. Provided you know everyone still you know got a, haven't hasn't given away six thousand whatnot, but that's something that the lineup I'd probably trust the most to close at this stage. As far as the start is concerned, I think that will. Again, we don't know what M.A. Doka is like as a coach. You know, he, he could be tinkering all the time. He could have different players starting for different nights and he might favor some guys over others. So it's it's really just a yes at this point. But, I mean, that's probably the safest bet as far as I'm concerned. Like, maybe he might – you would probably err on the side of caution if you're going for a defensive mindset. Maybe you slot uh, Josh Richardson in there in the place of Horford or Williams. One of them just swaps over and whatnot. So it's hard to say, but I would fancy that more as the closing lineup than anything else.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because Brad Stevens was so prone to switching up the starting lineup and the closing lineup like, completely based on matchups. And like, yeah, you say we don't know Ime Odoka yet. Is he prone to doing the same thing or is he more about like developing continuity and consistency with a single lineup uh, approach for every game over the course of a regular season? Um, there certainly are scenarios where having Rob Williams and Al Holford on the court together um, could be useful. Uh Reddit user Isa Money wrote the four in the NBA though is just not what it was. Gotta be more mobile than Al, except when he has a good matchup. And another user followed up, JWD 2213, with what if Rob is your four on defense and your five on offense and vice versa with Al. Do any of you guys see that that format working at all?
2: I don't I don't um, love Williams um guarding guys off the dribble. Um whether he would be I mean, is it fair to assume he'd be in situations like that more often if he was in the four? Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah um, oh, there's something about it that just doesn't that, like. I mean, I'm happy to see it happen and you know see what develops out of it, but there's something in it, about it that that just doesn't strike me as thinking it'll it'll really work. Um, I, I guess I'm concerned that Horford's not. I'm, I'm concerned he's not going to shoot with the volume we need him to shoot with to make that particular lineup work. It's probably mm-hmm. my main concern. Um, but really good passes, you know, there's, I, I still want to see it, I guess, but I'm just, I'm, I'm sceptical that it's going to be the one that makes it cook for us. What do you reckon, Jackson?
1: Uh, well, I guess if you think about it, really, it's going to be the lineup that just complements, you know, Tatum the most. So if that means more movement, if that means, you know, the, the qualities that Al Horford would bring over you know, having Williams out or et cetera, then I think that's ultimately what it's going to boil down to. Um, but it's, it's too hard to say for me.
2: I think another thing, and just to keep in mind, is like how many of us like actually watched Horford last year? Because like I didn't. no one of us to trade <laughs> no. from him. Like, Barely trade. didn't you? <laughs> I don't, I've got no idea whether he's slowed down or not. Not a clue. You know, well, so we'll see.
0: My last memory of Horford is him in Game One of that first round of the playoffs in the bubble versus Philly, where there was a moment I think where most Celtics fans were like, "Oh my god, like Al Horford's going to beat us in this game." And you can sort of see, like, I don't know, maybe I was just being particularly paranoid that day, but I can see the series playing out with like this sort of Al Horford redemption arc, and like finally, you know, he's found his his groove there in Philly. Um, maybe that meant it required Ben Simmons to actually be out for him to find that group, but either way, he's beating his old team. He made the right decision. And I sort of, I went on this clearly this sort of um, negative mental spiral here that didn't happen, but he was still fairly spry in that series. And he, he was a threat at times to, to our defense. Um, so that was obviously over one season to go, but he has had significant rest between then and now Um Then again, I know this from getting older, that sometimes rest equals rust, so um, I guess I'm not really drawing a conclusion here, am I? I'm very excited to see um, how it works out, but um, I definitely think, yeah, to to draw back to the original point here, it's it's a situational lineup that we will see at times, but the lowered expectations for this season afford you the opportunity to start Aaron Neesmith, I think, and that's sort of maybe not something that we've been granted in recent seasons past. Now's the time. and Jackson, you mentioned it's all about enhancing the skill set of of Tatum and maybe, maybe Brown to some extent as well. And I think the spacing on the floor that, that Smith offers there, um, and now I'm just reiterating uh, Spooning at this point, I think that that does enhance the abilities of Tatum and Brown to have to have Smith out there. So that's my take on that. Yeah. Anything else before we move on?
1: I hope it turns out that way, for sure. <laughs> Start Smith. I'm behind it, as we all We're should We're
0: all be. disciples of the movement on this podcast. It's a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. You can't join if you don't believe in the cause. Joe's shaking his head. Like I don't want to reveal my alternate take.
2: No, no. I I just think, look, man. This is like a real boring take. It's almost like an anti take. But like we'll see, man. Like you know, Hawford was a really really good player, and I was gutted that he left. And I, um, like we don't really kind of know exactly what we're getting with him. He's just he's a real unknown Mm -hmm. quantity, and you know, um. Let's let's just see. You know, I think um, it's a bit, of a bit of a suckers game trying to make pronouncements too far in the future, I think.
0: <laughs> that's what we got to do. But that's
2: what we're here to do. what else are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I'll go so I'll knock off <laughs> now, you know. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> speaking Celtics of pronouncements. Suckers edition.
0: Yeah speaking of pronouncements in the offseason though I was listening to another Zach Lowe pod today while I was shooting hoops and Bobby Marks uh, on this podcast he was a guest obviously said he's really high on the Celtics yeah saying that they might be the third best team in the east um, so I, I get I dare I throw back to you guys for even more pronouncements but uh, do, do you think that this, uh, this is an accurate take?
1: It's an optimistic one for sure. Um, Very much so. I believe they can. I believe they can be. There's just way too many unknowns. Um, it's go- it's going to come down, I think, the most to Tatum and what kind of season he has. If he has MVP level, you know, season, then the three is definitely possible. If the Nets, you know, all just go down with Achilles injuries, which is possible, you know, then that elevates this one up. But you know, I think the East is really interesting this year. So I, it's it's way too hard to say. I think any number of you know teams from 3 to 7 could occupy any order so i really don't know at this stage
2: well i don't know but i do kind of have a little bit of a meta commentary on on the on the placement of the Celtics and you know it's not long ago that we made the eastern conference finals with two really young guys taking us there and the reason why last year was such a disappointment was because of the expectations involved and i think that the vibe I'm getting from most prognosticators, Zach Lowe notably accepted, is the Celtics are sort of an afterthought, you know? And that just doesn't really like line up with like if last season was such a disappointment, it doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't kind of have higher expectations of this of the Celtics for this season. Does that make sense? It's like mm. last season was a disappointment because we have a lot of talent and it didn't work out. We have as much, if not more, talent this year. What? Where is? You know, to me, there should be more expectation from from the media if they're gonna be if they're gonna be kind of consistent with their with their prior takes. Um. Anyway, but like as to the actual substance of the point he was making, I'm not like a huge believer in Miami or Atlanta this year. Just you know, not because I have any particular basketball analysis. It just doesn't smell right to me. You know the Heat are taking on Kyle Lowry. Like the guy's going to be too old at some point. Maybe this is the year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Heat haven't actually been really very good in any particular year. Like they were just okay, really, in the Butler year, and they got like they got lucky to get to the finals. They're not that good. Atlanta. Uh, I'm not that convinced about Trey Young. You know, so yeah, I'm like, well, why not?
0: Yeah, it seems like each contending team outside of the Bucks and the Nets don't have enough of a like a proven sample size, I guess, as far as, okay, well, there's enough for, for us to draw on there to be able to really determine on how they're going to do in the upcoming season. And with the moves that the Celtics have made, like we kind of also fall into that category as well. But if you classify the changes that the Celtics have made throughout the offseason as improvements, then you do kind of have to go into the season feeling a little bit more optimistic and then you, you throw in those lowered expectations from the media, sort of broader NBA sphere standpoint. It puts us in good stead as fans. And like we've been doing this podcast long enough now that the, the sort of expectation versus results ratio m- means more than almost anything for every indi- individual season. And that particular ratio going into this season might be the most favorable that we've seen, I don't know, since we've started
1: this podcast. Where do you take your cue for the expectations you have of the team from? I have a no marker that's the thing this is the, this is the biggest unknown season in a long, long time and it's the first season without Stevens obviously that's um and it probably all like stems from that, but there's no real tangible data point that I can attach to and say, yeah well we, we should be better than this or should be worse than that too many variables as far as i'm concerned if 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 everyone's like kind of ha- like tempering their expectations and would be happy with something like a sixth or a fifth then sure I mean wasn't that the vibe last season I think like everyone had sort of like t- taken a step back and I feel like we're in the same place now but there's been no real like earth-shattering change I mean I think the, the, the coaching change is massive but no like trade or no like real sizable shift in the roster so I, I don't think it's drummed off enough hype for people to be on board with that I think like the expectations are of like fifth or sixth are probably fair so if we can ex- mm-hmm. if we can exceed that even just a little bit then I think everyone's going to have, you know, it'll be a positive season, and the expectations probably would reflect that, where they are now.
2: Here's the thing, sheeple. <laughs> if you're taking your cue from the national media, yeah, sure, fifth or sixth seems about right. I just don't buy that for a second. Don't buy it for a second. No. I absolutely expect the Celtics to be in third or fourth. Well, absolutely, I, I expect them to be yeah. there. They're, look, if they're not, if they're not, then... You know, we kind of come back to uh, some of my other chat, which is, you know, uh, are the Jays for real, you know, Um and I, I'm i undecided as to whether I think that they're, you know, enough to drive winning at the highest, highest, highest level, but hell yeah, they can drive winning in the regular season, man. Come on. Right, have we forgotten what they did, like, in the three previous seasons, you know, mm-hmm. or at least... Three out of the four previous seasons to this. Come on, man! Like they, they, they should be, they should be good, and they should be, you know, and improving. Um, I, I have, I have way higher expectations than fifth or sixth. Well, one thing that could influence the
0: overall seating for the Celtics is another team completely dropping out of the mix, and in this case, that could be it's early days here, but the Philadelphia 76ers. This goes to a post by Horseshoe Overlook, and it's just an ESPN tweet. Uh, It goes on to say the Philadelphia 76ers all-star Ben Simmons will not report for opening of training camp next week and intends to never play another game for the franchise. Mm -hmm. Simmons hasn't spoken to the team since uh, a late August meeting when he communicated this message to Sixers officials. Now, Joe, we released a pod solely on this topic a couple of weeks ago, um, but some new details have emerged since. Jackson, as the other token Australian on this podcast, Mm -hmm. Are you ready to banish Ben Simmons from the nation? Like, what are, what are your thoughts on the
1: situation overall? I, I I didn't banish when he bailed on the Olympics, to be perfectly honest. So, <laughs> changes nothing for me. Um, to be real, like <laughs> uh, the majority of the hate I hang on him is just purely because he's a Sixers player. That that's it. If he was playing for you know the Warriors or the, the Trailblazers, Blazers any other team, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Um, but now like the way that it's transpired and the more that it's sort of like leaking out, like what kind of person he is, or you know, at least the people he surrounds himself with that are convincing him to have this stance. It's really rotten, yeah, and it's very un-Australian, Joe, wouldn't you agree? Um, so, yeah, no, but get rid of him. He has- yeah, it sounds like he has a fake accent anyway. Like, he's basically- he's had one one foot, like, out of the Australian, you know, way of life for not years, a real Australian. as far as I'm concerned. No, no, absolutely not. not think um, You know. Yeah, that- he's in that he's in that Russell
2: Crowe, that Russell Crowe gray area where you guys yeah. you guys have previously claimed him, and now you're trying yeah. to return him back to cinema. But, it's like, but it's, like it's like he never won an Oscar. It's like he never won an Oscar. like he made a
1: couple of films. Like oh, he's gonna be real good one day. It just never happened. Never had his Gladiator. Yeah,
0: I like to throw Mel Gibson's name in the hat there as well. While we're oh, on the yeah, subject,
2: yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> uh, Joe, yeah. would you echo that sentiment?
2: Uh, oh man, to be honest, I got a little bit distracted because I was trying to find a YouTube version of this uh, very famous ad in New Zealand uh, with little kids. And there's an Australian kid. These little kids. <laughs> oh, this is not going to be good podcasting, but I'm just going to go for it anyway. We can show so it on the ad- phone. <laughs> <all good. laughs> I just put it in the chat. So the, um, the pitch of the ad is there's these two, there's these little kids and they're pretending to be like, like dads. And, um, and and it's a, it's an ad for Mitre Ten. Mitre Ten's like a hardware chain over here, like Bunnings. Yeah, we've got it here. So sort of small. You got we Mitre Ten? Yeah. You better go on well. the road, mate. Hard out. I thought. <laughs> well, wow, I thought you guys were Bunnings all day. Anyway, so these two kids are like. What are you doing this weekend? I'm putting up a retaining wall. Doing yourself? No, I'm going to get some broken. Oh,
1: come on, mate, do it yourself. She's pretty big
2: job. Oh, you'll be right. You reckon we can knock it over in half a day? Yeah, get a couple mates around. Hey, Josie! Huh? Give us a hand with the job Saturday. Mate, you're dreaming! Aussies no, no spice yeah typical of these you know and, <laughs> and that's what i thought that's what I thought when I thought about Ben Simmons <laughs> he is un <an> Australian <laughs> Such- i think I think my position on ben Simmons has been been well covered on on the yeah. on the podcast i am still a really big believer in him um but he is un an Australian and I do feel very sorry for you guys that this has kind of worked out like like this
0: yeah is it fair to say and first of all if you if you do want to hear joe and, I, and I's takes on that that ben simmons situation specifically through a celtics lens and how he might fit on the team then uh go back a couple of weeks in our feed and you'll find that episode there joe and, and jackson is it fair to say that as far as the nba is concerned there is sort of a shared ownership among like uh, australian and new zealand players like i sort of feel the same affinity towards stephen adams as I would towards Patty Mills. Does that go both ways, Joe? Like, do you feel a certain ownership towards Australian players as well? Cause it's like close enough.
2: Yeah, I actually do. Um, you know, the accents are similar enough that they feel familiar and, you know, there's a, like, there's a cultural similarity yep. like to me and Joe Ingalls. <laughs> That really isn't present for like you know ninety nine percent of the NBA. So yeah, I actually I really I I cheer for Australian players because I feel uh I, you know I feel I feel a cultural identification with them.
0: Moving on, this is posted by Boston Basketball Boys. Uh, the Smart slash Rob extensions looking pretty great right now, and some context there. This is based on a report by Morton Jensen of Forbes dot com. Who to summarize here? The NBA is looking into signing a new broadcasting contract, aiming at over seventy-five billion dollars. That will compensate the league with eight point three billion dollars annually, according to a league source. Projections indicate that a one hundred seventy-one million dollar salary cap is possible, assuming no cap smoothing by twenty twenty-five. Um, this is news, although with no immediate impact to the Celtics. But Joe, does this change your perception of? I guess to
2: start with the Time Lord and the Marcus Smart extensions, probably. I, I, I don't think I'd really factored in like a massive increase in the cap because, like, quick maths—if it's eight point three billion a year—is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that what they're talking? So, yep. Some quick maths is like it's like one hundred and forty million a team, like a year, I think. Can't help you, know, you, you that. I trust you. <laughs> So, like, so like eight point three divided by two is about. You know four point one five or whatever divided by thirty you're uh-huh. looking about one hundred and forty million at a team like that's all of a sudden that's just your baseline basketball related income which has to go under the cap so um yeah, all of a sudden the smart extension at twenty million is uh like it's like less than one seventh of the cap. That's not too bad, yeah. So, yeah. so yes, yeah, it does. It does make him look a lot more favourable. Yeah,
1: if if, that, if those are the numbers, and he, he is an accountant, guys, so I I would definitely believe him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the extensions to begin with, whether or not they meant you know <laughs> <laughs> they were going to be players that we held on to for for the long haul, or whether they were part of a trade package next season or whenever. You know, I, I I like the extensions, and I like you know the players that they went to. So if they've become far better in value now, then even better. You know, it's it's good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Reddit user WashableAxe wrote on the thread, just kind of like bringing everyone, including myself, back down to earth. Um, they said, this is actually terrible news for us. Both Jays can get new deals in that off season, and this would only affect the final year of the Smart Time lord extension. So, it's only like one year at the tail end of their contract where they really, really look like good solid contracts. So, yeah. Um, I don't know it's it's almost bad timing for the Celtics in that like as soon as that extra cap room becomes available we've got to fill it up with contract renewals for our our two best players so maybe if they apply cap smoothing in this situation they didn't last time we saw the effects of that we saw the Evan Turner contract it's very unlikely to happen this time from what I can tell because the players are unlikely to agree to it for obvious reasons they want that money as, as soon as possible Um I just
2: don't. That's so. This is one of my hobby horses. That's the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, they're gonna get the money. They're gonna (laughs) get the money. They're gonna get their percentage of basketball-related income, no matter what. Sure. And it, it honestly, it severely, negatively impacted the NBA not having the cap smoothing proposal affected the last time. That's what led Warriors Durant going to the Warriors. Else? Yeah, led to Durant going to the Warriors, and that the NBA is not as big as it was back then. It's just not. Mm-hmm. And um, I put that squarely, squarely with Michelle Roberts, squarely with her man. Anyway, yeah, so, sorry, that's a no, topic for another. It's part.
0: a really good point, and like I asked this to, to both of you, do you think that will then influence the decision to to go or not to go with cap smoothing this time around? Do you think it actually makes it maybe more likely?
2: I don't want to jump on the spoons as sort of territory, but like, just so you just like, this is, uh, Hey, look, I could be, I could be wrong here. I'm no expert, but like the players are as per the collective bargaining agreement, they're entitled to 50% of basketball related income. Right. So Mm -hmm. let's just say that total basketball related income for, uh, for the year was 6 billion bucks. Okay. And so it's a 50, 50 split. All right. That means that three three billion goes to the players, and it goes to them in the form of salaries. So thirty teams divided by three billion is a hundred million dollar cap per team. Okay, mm-hmm. everyone signs. everyone say everyone signs contracts on that. Let's say that the next year, like revenue, goes up from six billion up to uh, let's say nine billion. Right, so another fifty percent on top of that. My understanding is that um, is that if you is that like let's say all the contracts were exactly the same so there were there was uh 100 million dollars in committed contracts for each team over the year over you know in the in the following year they would like have be topped up by the you know they would be topped up each player's contract would be topped up so that they got so the total amount paid out to the players 50 percent. so the nominal value of your contract might be say 10 million but everyone gets an extra 50 percent because the Players have to get paid out fifty percent of basketball-related income. So, make mm-hmm. sense so far, Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so what that means is that you don't have this—you don't have this shock whereby the nominal value of players' contracts um, becomes way too low relative to the cap, which is what happened last time, right? Like you had all these, like, pre-contract signed pre twenty sixteen, were just so much lower than than they would have had they all been free agents in, in the summer of 2016, right? That's right. what led to the shock. That's why all those – that's why Timofey Mozgov got paid heaps of money. It's because <laughs> there was nowhere I else see, for right? the Lakers to spend the money, you know? Like, they could have maybe done a few less years, but, like, that's why Evan Turner got heaps because it was just – they had to spend the money. Gotcha. And um, the cap space created the vacuum that was filled by these bad salaries. And it's bad, man. It it just upsets the competitive balance of the league. It's a real shock to the system, and mm. it's bad for the league. It's bad for us as consumers of of the of the league. It's bad for us as fans. And I'm pretty pretty firm on this.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty I mean, I, firm. I've got been very strong out strong yeah. <laughs> opinions on this.
2: I I totally agree with you from the
0: players' standpoint, though. Particularly some of the, the higher earning players, you know, relative to the the league um, annual average salary. There, it's it's almost like that social experiment where they put like kids in a room with like a jelly bean on the table and you say you can have this jelly bean now or if you leave this jelly bean alone then in five minutes you can have two or three jelly beans and they almost always just eat the jelly bean that's in front of them because that's like i don't know I guess a short-sighted i want i want my beans now obviously it's not a like for like analogy but you understand like the players obviously have this immediate Influx of additional salary dangled in front of them,
1: but they're, they're going to get that
2: salary anyway. They're going to yeah, get but, the money, but they're what, young. Ha- what benefits, they're free agents.
1: Pages. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I, I mean
0: I agree with you, Joe. I'm just trying to look at it through the lens of a um, a multi million dollar earning, 25 year old, which I'm yeah. c- clearly not capable of doing. Well, I imagine
1: I, they want. I imagine they just want to like give as much money to their families and like look after themselves in case they have a career sustaining injury. You know, the, because if, if it happens then before they get their payday, then that's it done. You know, it's a new career, it's a new learning and stuff. So I understand where they're coming from and they're like, get it now, get it now. But the way that you've put it there, yeah,
2: obviously, it's a bad idea. I, I still don't get it because if you've got us coming from an environment where the cap's been somewhat stable, you know, salaries are going to be roughly, you know, assigned to players in order, you know, and, and some sort of reflection of their contribution to, you know, or their importance to their teams, right? Okay. The cap spike happens, then all of a sudden you could be you could be a really important player to your team, and then you're really underpaid relative to someone else. This is what happened. I don't remember when John Wall was like, I can't believe Reggie Jackson's making more than me. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason it happened was because of the cap spike. If you, yeah. if you know, because these cap these these uh, these salary figures are nominal and they're fixed under a cap under an old cap, and the cap increases, um, you, you wind up with a situation where where High status players can really lose out to mediocre players who happen to be free agents in the right right period of time. It's um, I think it creates a lot of unfairness. I don't know who's interested. It's in anyway. It's a bit bit fiery. I don't know how I'm going to go to sleep now. <laughs> My heart's pounding. <panic. laughs> yeah, it might be something we revisit
0: in a future episode because I think I um, I'm interested to hear more about the players' incentive to go. Away from cap smoothing and just go for the immediate sort of knock up in in,
2: in salary cap. I think the ba- most basic argument is it would restrict player movement, right? So the more mm-hmm. cap space is available, the more movements the more options are available to the players in that particular mm-hmm. free agency class. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest, though, like it's one of those one of those things where it's like I, it's very hard for me to truly grasp. The, the other side of an argument that i just think's crazy <laughs> you yep. know you know how like you've got to have a certain amount of respect for the other side <laughs> <It's> <laughs> of hard. the argument yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just don't get it
0: anyway.
2: all right well look we've got two
0: more posts to get to before we wrap this one up this one's by our mate Wayne Spooney who uh, is the king of original content on the sub these days he? and mm-hmm. he made a write up titled 15 players 15 stats to watch and 15 or more bad jokes and it's a it's a long post it's a very worthwhile read and i'm not going to try and summarize it at all because i wouldn't do it justice but um if you haven't read the post highly recommend uh going to check it out because it's very informative and it'll put you in better stead to evaluate the season coming up but just to summarize it very quickly for the purpose of this discussion spoonie listed 15 players on the team and 15 stats to watch as sort of a measure of improvement for those individual players Um, And I wanted to ask you guys, out of those 15 stats, which stood out to you the most, or is there something else that wasn't included that you think should be on this list?
1: Um, Probably the one about Jalen Brown and his, like, overall plus minus with Tatum on or or something to that extent anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think, like, really the key for, for us moving forward is probably those two maximizing the production they get out of each other. So that was something, as soon as I read it, I was like, Yes, this this here totally. So that grabbed my um, attention. As far as like other stats are concerned, I don't know, man. Wayne's a very like comprehensive dude, so like it's, yeah. a, everything's there that I needed. <laughs> but um, the Jalen Brown one for sure for me. Yeah, what about you,
2: Joe? Um, for me, it was the Smart and Tatum stats. The Tatum stat, I wasn't even aware it was one. It's like percentage. It's like percentage of time you pass it when you do a drive. Pass percentage on drives, um,
0: yeah.
2: I was like, whoa, didn't know that was a stat. Um, my own experience playing is that I'm a way more effective passer on drives when I'm aggressive and thinking score. Like, if you go in there and you're not looking to score, you know, um, I feel like that takes away passing opportunities. I feel like the defense reacts to you a little bit differently. But that may be different if you're Jason Tatum. Um <laughs> Yeah, but the smart one's an interesting an interesting one. If you you the ball needs to touch the paint. That's the fundamental of any any basketball offense. It's got to hit the paint in some way. Um and typically that happens via point guards penetrating. Um if 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 smart's able to do that, um then it, it makes him a very effective offensive engine. I think he's a really good passer. Um I'm skeptical that that's really in his game. We know who he is at this point, you know, and um, I love him for it. Don't wanna trade him, but I don't know that he's the guy that will that's really gonna be a high frequency driver to the rim but if if he was it would be quite a, to me it would be quite a big change in his game yeah um, and it would be a one a really positive one, sure. It's what yes. stuck out to me.
0: Anyway. No, it's a good call out on both fronts. But uh, Spoonie does mention in the post on, on the Marcus Smart drives per game situation that, yeah, it will be interesting to see if his drives per game uh, do creep up with a more defined role as a, as opposed to seasons prior. If you can carry this number into double digits. Oh, baby, we got a stew going. Nice uh, rest of development reference there. Uh, good on you, Spoonie. The one that stood out to me the most was the uh, Rob Williams 112 defensive rating which ranks him 78th among centers who play 15 minutes or more per game. I just like from an eye test perspective, think of Rob Williams, the time Lord, like he's just blocking shots. He's defending James Harden out on the perimeter and blocking him shooting threes, which no one does just, yeah. From that eye test perspective, Rob Williams is like an elite, a grade defender, but you know, 78th among centers who play 15 minutes or more per game. Um, you know, examples of centers who rank above him are Daniel Tice, Jakob Pertle, Alex Len. Like these are not the sort of that's not the company you expect Rob Williams to be in from a defensive standpoint. Uh and of course he does have just a positive net rating at zero point zero four. But um yeah, you just kind of expect him to have a better defensive rating, and he's going to need to have that as you know the potential starting five for the Celtics and sort of locking down the paint there. Um so I'm gonna be keeping an eye on on that stat. Any Anything you want to touch on there on that post, guys, before we move on to our last point here?
2: Well, I was just going to say, in the case of, of um, Rob, um, bearing in mind, of course, I'm making this up largely. Uh, I always felt like when I looked at him that he's, you know, like Charles Barkley talks about guys who are light in the ass, and Rob Williams <laughs> is definitely the light in the ass. And I, I haven't looked this up, but I wonder what his defensive rebounding percentage is. Um, I, I, I don't know. It could be really good, but my, my impression of him watching him as a rookie was it, it felt like he got a little pushed around, and um, and it didn't feel like he cleaned up as much as I might have expected. I shouldn't say rookie as a second year play, but played bugger all as a rookie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that would be maybe something I'd be watching. Like, is he gonna? If he cleans up the rebounds, man, that would just oh. Oh, wouldn't it be so nice to watch a Celtics team that rebounded the ball? We can learn from Enos Kanter. <laughs> so lucky him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, savvy veteran Enos Cantor on the bench there, barking out instructions. To wrap it up here, this is the final post here from user Aja Ramirez, Ramirez, who posted the NBA Top 100 rankings. So this is Sports Illustrated list of the rankings of the Top 100 players ahead of the upcoming season. Um, they've got Jalen Brown at 27 overall and Jason Tatum at 13. Jackson, is this a
1: fair ranking or are the Jays ranked too high or too low or how does this sit with you? How many hundred lists come out before every season? This is Sports Illustrated. Obviously nba.com is going to do one and then probably Athletics is going to do one and you know, etc. Yeah. Anyway, I'll answer the question. Um it's about <laughs> it's about right, isn't it? I mean, I would if if you if I had if I've obviously seen it, so it's going to be completely unfair to sort of, like, mentally do an exercise where I didn't know it and had to guess Pariah. But I probably would have had Jalen Brown around 30, to be fair. Like, I think that's probably about about as good as you can go. Tatum, 13. Yeah, (laughs) this is a terrible take. I'm sorry. I have nothing to really (laughs) add to it. It seems pretty accurate to me. It seems pretty accurate to me. I wonder what I was getting at with the first thing. I "I wonder how, like, other, like, publications will see him or whether it's going to be fairly consistent. Because that, to me, seems pretty, pretty accurate.
2: Yeah. Um, what do you think, Joe? Uh, well, I was just looking at the comment from um, "End as We Know It," um, who says they'd rather have JB the Middleton right now. And um, hey, look, mate! Like we're all just having fun here, you know. We're just, we're just, we're just firing <laughs> off our takes, you know. But what? <laughs> like, have you seen Middleton play? Like, I know he's not as sexy as Jalen Brown. He's better right now. Like, no yeah. question about it. That's but crazy talk.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> if, you're, if you're the Celtics, right, and you're building towards some sort of future and
2: you've got- that, That's you know, fine. As Different well. discussion. Yeah. Different sure. discussion. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. in a vacuum. Right in a vacuum, now, it's Middleton. Right now? <laughs> and that just goes to show, because you don't think of Middleton as being like, like, you're not going out and buying Chris Middleton's jersey, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not like trying to find his RPA or whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, but he's one of those guys that you have to contend with if you want to become the – he's a guy who you have to overtake if you want to become 20th best player in the NBA. You know, if you want to go to the 20th, he's somewhere in there, you know. Um, I just think, man, like, (laughs) you've got to be respectful of those dudes between, like, 30 and 10, you know, ranked players. There's so many of them when you start to list them out. Um, I think those rankings seem fine.
0: Yeah, I think thirteen. Like, yeah, I think Jalen Brown is hovering around the right spot there at twenty-seven. Tatum it sort of fluctuates depending on who you ask, and so you know what you mentioned there, Jackson. How many of these lists come out prior to the the season starts? It's kind of a, it's almost a good idea to keep an eye on these lists because I, I think that there's going to be a lot of variance as far as where Tatum shows up on that list, and mm. you can sort of. Uh, you know form an average really the what, what is the mean ranking for, for tatum across all of all of these lists and then maybe get a better idea of you know fan base and league wide where he's perceived to be because yeah you can count off 15 players like fairly easily that are, you could easily say are better than jason tatum um but then you can kind of rightfully go in there and and insert jason tatum into that list so yeah. i don't know i guess that's i don't take away there you, is it
1: you couldn't give me twenty that are better than him, you but you probably could give fifteen, so it's I agree like, with that. It feels like it's yeah. like right in the middle, you know,
0: yeah, and I guess the main takeaway is like how much can we really derive from these lists like who like obviously they've assigned an author to this list, but like who really like what what kind of research goes into it, reading the paragraphs that are sort of assigned to each player name here, It's not like they've done this huge statistical evaluation for all of these players, like they're very short little blurbs for every player. Um, but I guess from the fan perspective, it's nice to see two of our guys in the top 30. And Marcus Smart, by the way, is ranked number 60 as well. So um it's a nice little... <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He's going to bump up after this season, I'm sure, in this more defined role. Um, guys, we're very close to media day, which I believe is five days away. We're 11 days away by the time this podcast goes live until the first preseason game Obviously, we're going to have a lot more to discuss as those things occur. But is there anything else you want to sort of get off your chest before we
2: wrap this one up? Didn't you guys used to pine for Media Day? Like it felt yes, like it took I still forever, do. and then finally <laughs> we're at Media Day. I I missed the long the, the length of the off season. You know, I do it, not. It hasn't felt the same. <laughs> haven't felt the same vacuum. What about you, Jackson? Yeah. I'm, I'm
0: really feeling it over here. It feels like it's been going on forever.
1: Yeah, um, I know it's sort of like the, the my interest in it sort of like, you know, bottomed out after the Olympics and it's slowly ramping back up now. When you said 11 days to the preseason, like I got a little, I got a little tingle in me, so I didn't realize it was that <laughs> There so. you go. And, and um, the templates,
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, geblets. right where
1: it counts. Um, media Day, I'm looking forward to, like my, my one lasting memory of Media Day is Kyrie Irving, clean shaven Kyrie Irving and Gordon Haywood sitting next to each other and me just thinking... <laughs> Here crazy, we go. G. Um yeah, and it didn't win well. So um <laughs> it I, didn't I wonder start
2: particularly well, either, No, <laughs> no, it didn't. It
1: didn't. That season was was tops though, but for the reasons we, we did not anticipate. Um the I, I wonder, because it's gonna be so many things they're gonna have to address. It's gonna be like there's gonna be Wick, it's gonna be Brad, it's gonna be Ime. Who's gonna be the first player? Do you think they're gonna have like sitting next to the coach or whatever? Is it gonna be Al? Is it gonna be Dennis mm-hmm. Truder? I am I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how they like lay the table out. it's gonna be everybody, right? Sitting at the front,
2: mm. yeah. I, I think thought it's like- about sitting configuration, mm. <sighs> but it's mm. almost like a gala, to. right?
0: Like I, I don't really remember panels from Media Day. It's more like a gala where some guys are being interviewed, some guys are taking like those photos or those animations you see on the jumbotron, <laughs> and they're all kind of mixed. It's not like it's not like they're gathering everyone at once but you know there's always takeaways there's always talking points to sort of come out of it and i guess that's what i'm looking
1: forward to don't they have um, to do that bit where they all stand next to each other with their jerseys up yeah
0: that's yeah days, the new guys it? Yeah. yeah maybe i don't
2: know no 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 that's when they get drafted that's when they do that they're actually wearing them on media day the
0: press conference yeah mm, yeah, yeah okay, so we get to right. see new guys in their celtics jerseys for real and not just photoshopped and um like just from the podcast production standpoint, we've milked everything possible out of this off season. We've like continued to release podcasts and huge, huge shout out to Celtics J and Wayne spoony, the the new guys um for being a big part of that. but um we just I feel like we're just we've really got nothing else here, right? like we, we need some real shit to happen, so we've got some real shit to talk about. Um, this might be the That's last the podcast of the off season. I'm not sure all right guys i think that's gonna do it for this one <laughs> speaking of wrapping it up uh if you like what you're hearing please go ahead and subscribe rate leave a review all that nice stuff you can find us on twitter at celtic reddit pod and of course now in the flesh on youtube just google us we're out there jackson joe love your work guys thanks again love yours too thanks ben
2: yeah, you can right. see us.
0: yeah likewise we'll be back early next week we think until next time go celtics peace